here's the thing. What's the thing, Catherine? If you rate us on iTunes, next episode, I'll eat a giant mouth of Swedish fish, which I've (laughs) done before. I've done before, and I know it's a mistake. Wait, I'll do it, too. Yeah, you know what? Me, too. And we'll record the mouth sounds that occur. Ew. (laughs) Make Catherine listen to them in post-production. I hate that. everyone i'm daddy spice i'm tasty spice and i'm spooky spice and you're listening to grow up a saturday morning podcast for spicy millennials for anybody that doesn't know we revisit media from our childhoods and deconstruct it from our adult perspectives Tweet the name of your favorite television show, movie, book, or video game to at Grow the Pod Up with a brief explanation of themes you remember being mean, 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 meaningful so that we can add it to our list of things to pull from. Also, you can send us a voice message with your suggestions and uh, your reasoning behind those suggestions to growthepotup at gmail.com. Uh, try and get them around a minute long and feel free to share a personal story as well if you'd like or a fond memory or a funny little anecdote. And with your permission, we'll share your voice on the air. This week... Spice World. How about you in the world? Spice up your life. Um, so this this one was actually suggested to us by a friend of mine named Ginny. Because we would not have thought to do it otherwise. <laughs> no, actually... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this one went right under my radar. I never would have. None of us. <laughs> like, I literally even didn't even it. know the Spice Girls had made a movie. Yeah, I mean, I was vaguely aware. I was vaguely aware of it. I remember like having it on one time while I was being babysat, but I didn't like sit down and watch it. So like I remembered tiny bits. Like <laughs> while I was watching this movie, I was like, I feel like there are aliens in this there movie. There are <laughs> aliens. And I was like, this does not seem like a movie that would have aliens. And so as I was watching it, I was like, oh, there they are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Coming at it from an outsider perspective, it's a movie about the Spice Girls and their influence over the pop world, blah, blah, blah. Definitely not something you would think about as having aliens. But there were a lot of supernatural elements in this movie. There were, yeah. There were so many things throughout this movie that took me by surprise. It's like, this this has a lot of symbolic element to it. Every boy and every girl spice up your life. Precisely. I had never seen a single thing from this movie. Yeah. I've heard same. maybe two Spice Girl songs. Many a virgin alert yeah. is what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Many a virgin alert. I want to tell a story. Yeah, tell us a story. Once upon a time, I had to come out to my parents, which was mm. annoying, and my mom said, <laughs> but Catherine... You love One Direction so much. (laughs) And I said, but mother, there's nothing gayer than One Direction. Absolutely. That's that's a certainty. It helped me understand this movie a lot because parts of it I was just like, ugh. But then I remember how people treat me and my One Direction thing. Yeah. When I was like 21... I somehow went from hating even the idea of One Direction to becoming completely obsessed with it. 
because there was this huge gay subgroup that follows One Direction around. And it was the first uh, place I had that queerness was not just like accepted, it was normalized. And I had never experienced that in my life. And I was closeted. This stupid boy band became like my safe place. And I could never explain that to people because I was closeted. So it was hard to explain to people why this thing mattered to me. Because these boy bands and girl groups are looked down on. But I know a lot of people really, really identified with the Spice Girls growing up. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the girl power thing. I think that is a, that's a really relevant story. That's a really good story to tell because, I mean, that's one of the larger themes of this movie is the idea that there are a community of people who, if they can stick together, can create a good, you know, space for each other. You, you found that community of people who made you feel loved and welcomed. Yeah. Uh, revolving around a, a boy band and the, this movie one of the themes was the idea that people can be different but they can have their own unique personalities and still sort of be in a unit be an integral part of uh, yeah exactly be a unit what was everybody's like first impressions what are the things that jumped out at you it's a great movie i was very much looking at this with the hero's journey in mind it had a lot of the elements of of the way a hero's journey starts Really? How it sort of parallels the idea of fate at large or the the wider world, the supernatural working both against and for a hero in their journey. And that came up a lot in uh, in this movie, the, the idea of fate pushing them one place and another. But my very first impression was obviously the opening sequence very much elicited the James Bond yeah. Which yeah. also tied in when they had a literal James Bond in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> there were so many great cameos in this movie. There mm. were. Within the first, like, five minutes, you just saw Elton John walk up. <laughs> I, I read that Elton John was in the movie so that he could get signed posters from the Spice Girls for his nephews for Christmas. And that's a very <laughs> common theme with, like, pretty much every cameo in the movie was that uh-huh. not that they were fans of it or they wanted to do it. It was that they had someone in their life that, like, convinced them to do uh, it. The idea of the James Bond uh, silhouette sort of opening sequence in the James Bond movies, you have these sort of sexualized women doing silhouettes and everything, but the focus is on the the male hero figure. So this was kind of an interesting subversion where you still have these sort of female silhouettes, but they are they end up being the actual focus of the movie. So it's a, a bit of an inversion or a subversion of, of that. And then to have an actual James Bond playing the villain yeah. you know the cat petting yeah. villain although in this case it was a, a pig there was a cat is... and then there was a bunny and then there was a suckling oh, piglet it was different things okay yeah yeah to have to have an actual james bond character somebody who's famous for playing james bond as the super villain in a movie which is intentionally evoking james bond in its opening sequence is telling us this is about subverting those male tropes this is about centering the women this is about bringing these you know girl girl power forward which i thought was really cool i kept i kept making notes about things like there was a moment in the first couple of minutes where in lauding the spice girls one of the men referred to them as wet <laughs> and huh. i was really 
I was made very, very uncomfortable by that because already we're seeing these women who are just being over-sexualized for profit. Mm-hmm. When they're on the stage, they're being hypersexual and they're being as performative as possible. But when they're in rehearsal spaces, they're actually enjoying themselves and they're yeah. dressed in like sweats and actually just enjoying the process of being a girl group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think felt that they owned their sexualization and there are actually ways they could have been more over sexualized than they were like sports, mm-hmm. p- particularly sporty spice mm-hmm. also i had come into this thinking that like they had had these personas and they cast them and that's not what happened mm-hmm. they were already a gr- g- girl group and it was like a reporter that gave them those nicknames and they stuck so oh so wow. she was already sporty like these, this is how yeah. they already were. Were these personas? They could have put her in like tiny, tiny pants and sports bras, but they didn't. She was wearing things that you would actually work out in. Yeah, I think it's a, a point that supports that is even even on uh, the very first time we see them performing in the movie after the opening sequence, they're all all of them wearing white. You know, sort of that symbol of innocence. That... And, and then that's when they're doing a performance. The ver- like it's an immediate juxtaposition between that and then the next like, bam! Right then they're all wearing these wild and crazy outfits. But that's when they're not performing, when they're just like, off stage, and the their outfits when they're not performing are slightly even more you know more sexualized in, in, in you know to use that phrase than they were while they were performing, which is just sort of contributing to the the sexualization is not something that they're doing like for the fans for the the audience but that it's just like a part of their personality that they own their sexuality and that they're happy with who they are and what they do so something that i kept being drawn to was just like the way that sexuality was owned by the women versus the way that it was perceived by the men yes while the women while the Spice Girls, and I feel so weird calling them girls because they're not yeah. girls. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they're not children. They're grown women. Yeah. Except for Baby Spice, yeah. who is clearly just stuck in. She, she's being infantilized by the by the whole persona that she's, she's created. She's but... the most like sexualized of all of them in mm-hmm. this movie. And that's why I think it's gross. Like That's why things that were hypersexual were sticking out to me as like, it made me cringe a little bit. It was cringy because she was the most hypersexualized yeah. and she was portrayed as the youngest and like is actually referred to as a baby. Yeah. And she, there was Ugh. a whole segment of how like she could get away with anything mm-hmm. yeah. by like smiling at a man. And then when they later, they've flown their bus through London illegally and they need to yeah. get out of, you know, jail. She's the one <laughs> that convinces the cops to let them go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even after Posh and I forget who the other one was, they both kind of go like, what's wrong, officer? Like, they're trying to flirt with him, but the one that convinces them is Baby. And there's not yeah. a lot of, like, flirting and you know, any romance in this movie. And I feel like the few moments that there are, it's mostly Baby. Yeah. Except, is it, is it, who has to kiss the alien? Oh, uh, and that was Ginger. That's poor Ginger. <laughs> but like, <laughs> Those were awful. I mean, they were. I, I was, I was just so shocked to like actually have 
my memory line up with the actual movie because I was like, there's no way this is the same movie that I was thinking about. (laughs) So the fact that they're all wearing, they start wearing white, that they have this idea of who they are, they're homogenous, but that's the thing that's going to be questioned. That's the thing that's going to, to be put to the test is their group identity. So because they're all wearing white, yeah, we can see that they're a group, but also their outfits are all tailored to their individual personalities. Uh, so they have individualism within, within the group, but they are in solidarity, excuse me, solidarity with each other. And that's what kind of what you said about Madison, about the public versus private lives. And then sort of as they go through the trials of, of you know, this, this life, the thing that gets questioned is whether they're right in thinking that they can maintain those individual identities within a group setting. And ultimately the answer, you know, obviously proves to be yes. For, you know, for the hero's journey to take place, that resolve has to be shaken, has to be questioned, and they'd have to come out of it on the other side, um, you know, changed, uh, different, which right. is not necessarily something that really happened per se. I, it was a kind of hard for me to find a climax exactly in this movie. I felt that too. I was really lost on the narrative structure. Well, the yeah. exact <laughs> moment for me that was like, this is the point in the movie is their whole brand is girl power there's mm-hmm. i read a lot of articles today about that about third wave fe- third wave feminism and spice mm-hmm. girls girl power and the exact moment when they're trying to make their point is when their friend nicola has her baby and she oh, yeah, she's a girl exactly. and they all say exactly. now that's girl power that's yeah, what i took as that's... the point in the crux of the movie well, and not only that, but also to, to what you said, uh, both of you have said at various different points, but the, uh, so many of the male characters, in fact, all of the male characters in this movie are in one way or another looking to profit off of the Absolutely, yeah. 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 Every single one of them. Even the, like, the bumbling reporter who we're supposed to sort of like laugh at mm-hmm. or uh, sympathize with. For a second, can I just mm-hmm. list all of the white male characters <laughs> yeah. in this movie that were yeah. coming after them? Alan Cumming yeah. was a documentarian, and he had, like, two employees, like, a boom operator mm-hmm. and someone else. So, like, three. Their manager, to a certain point, I liked Clifford, though. <laughs> the big, the evil Bond villain that was, like, some exec in fr- charge of them. Two Hollywood executives that were trying to make a movie about them and kept pitching it to Clifford. Uh, an Australian newspaper guy and like his assistant and then this reporter that was going after them. So that's nine white men that throughout this movie are chasing the Spice Girls. Yeah. Yeah. So they each are after something different. So for the documentarian, he, uh, what did he say? He said, I wanted to get the real Spice Girls. But what he's doing is filming them without their consent. So he's getting the real Spice Girls. He's getting candid footage. But there, w- there was this question to f- that came up for me was, just because they're famous doesn't mean you get to... F- film them yeah all the time like famous people do have an expectation of privacy that they're allowed to ask to be to be maintained that's but it's like it's like these these groups these girl groups and boy bands particularly it's just there's a this fanaticism around it that it's assumed they don't have private lives like especially with like k-pop because we have yeah. every you know generation we yeah. have a few big bands you know there's instinct backstreet boys at the same time Spice, Spice mm. Girls were a bit before them. Then we had, like, One Direction and Five Sauce and 
Fifth Harmony all happening. So we have, like, you know, a few big ones, but it's, like, K-pop, there's hundreds of them at any given time. And they all pass out on stage all the time. There was that K-pop star who killed himself a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. So it's something about groups that make people just go bananas. I don't know if it's about the groups. I think it's about the management that tries to control the groups. I think there was, like, their manager in this movie, there was a point where he was trying to get them a morning off, but he ended up not being able Mm -hmm. to. And he had to break the news to the girls. For for a group that's been working consistently and hard yeah. for days on end, that is a f- really devastating blow to not be able to just have a couple of hours yeah. off. That's one of the, it's like a meta theme of, of this movie. It's, it's sort of there, is the idea that their lives are being so micromanaged, so totally controlled, they never have a, and that it sort of is a driving action for the movie. But more than that, you can almost sense that this is the way they feel in their real lives, that they are wanting to, through the medium of this movie, in some way show people our lives really are kind of, they can be hell. Mm -hmm. They are so micromanaged, we can do nothing for ourselves. And for me, the moment that that stuck out the most was when you have these two writing, these two writer characters that are narrating the action of the movie in real time as it happens while the Spice Girls are stealing a bus and doing all of these extraordinary things. Where at, at, At a point in the movie where they would be considered to sort of be taking charge of their futures. Having gone through like the hero's journey through the abyss, they, you know, they've just reached the climax where they're with their friend in the hospital taking care of her. And then having learned everything they need to learn, they take charge of their own destiny and they are barreling through town. But all while they're doing that, it is being narrated by a straight white man who is selling the idea of them to an executive. So even at the point of their rebellion, even in this moment of a movie where, you know, talking about girl power, they are demonstrating that power in very real time. There is still the sense that they are not their own people, that they are just being managed as a unit and that they don't have sense or time to themselves. And to me, that was almost a tragic moment in the movie because you get the impression that that's how these people in real life, like not just as characters, but as as human beings would feel about their day-to-day lives. I would like to enter enter a... uh special segment called conspiracy time because in the very beginning it says based on i on an idea by the spice girls and somebody else that i don't remember but it's at the very beginning (laughs) perhaps the film spice girls was an sos letter from the spice girls yeah (laughs) oh shit that's how how i felt watching the movie a little bit (laughs) you kind of see stuff like that happen with celebrities a lot of the time you yeah. see i feel like britney spears is the most obvious example that britney spears was so micromanaged that she ended up writing a another album that her management team pushed under the oh. rug and wouldn't let her sell that was like it, it, the themes that kept arising were like escape and um being cloistered and i'm a slave for you yeah Yeah. the titles of her album sound like she was imprisoned and needed help 
And these aren't these aren't that bonkers because we know like what mm-hmm. happened to Kesha and we know what happens yeah. to, because of how much I know about One Direction. Uh, in one of their like <laughs> documentaries, Harry was talking about kind of his day to day life, and he was in a he was at the gym running as fast as he could on like a treadmill, and then was like, oh, now, now I'm gonna go back sleep for four hours and wake up and do it all again." Mm. And it was, like, 1 a.m. at the and gym. And that's just not a healthy life to expect somebody to have to live. Like, I get that they're mega successful and they're mega rich and, like, they have a lot of responsibility on their plate as people that are that powerful. But you can't ask them to work at the expense of their lives. Like, you have K-pop stars literally fainting on stage often. It's not an unusual sight. Catherine, are you holding up a One Direction ticket? It's not One Direction. <gasps> it's Harry Styles. <laughs> um, if I were if I were to rewrite this movie, you know, and if I were to do it in in a way that the the hero's journey that they are sort of set up for at the beginning were to be completed, I think the moment that would have been the thing that they need to grow and take from and and and. A positive or optimistic ending, as opposed to a tragic one, for me in the writing of it would have been uh, the Spice Girls breaking up. Right. That that just the way that those sort of latent themes of of feeling trapped, of wanting to get out, of taking individual charge of your own destiny, of of being your own person, um, would have been fulfilled in that moment if they had realized that they can get away from that or alternatively if they had used their group identity to take charge of their own schedules and be their own people which they did they on did a, in, real life. A, a in a minor they way they did in real life do that after right, this movie right, right. they fired their manager and managed themselves oh wow cool yeah see i didn't know that but that it, knowing that really i mean that changes a lot for me i think just even immediately the maybe the making of the movie helped them come to that understanding that they were being managed just Overly too managed, yeah. meticulously and that kind of adds to the girl power thing of like mm-hmm. as they're all their own individual people because obviously we haven't brought this up it's pretty obvious but we might need to bring it up anyways girls are often pitted against each other oh all the time look at pop stars now it's like taylor swift is voting for bernie sanders and katie perry's voting for hillary clinton which one do you agree with and it's like <laughs> and like bad blood and it's it's all taylor swift in the middle of it but <laughs> like right yeah. now for sure but do you remember when Lindsay Lohan and Hillary Duff were having their feud like this is a thing that happens over and over fire crotch what's good miley all that great tea but i uh, this movie is so much about like there's no reason for infighting and they're all their individual people but they're together they're this awesome fucking thing that the world just adores and worships it's become something so much bigger than themselves even while they have people that are actually trying to pit them up against one another for a more interesting story. Yeah, trying to cause drama amongst them. So then when I was today watching a bunch of interviews and I watched this big compilation of stuff about why Jerry left, and it was May 27, 1999, which I can only remember because the day before my seventh birthday. 
Um, <laughs> 100% understood why. Like, she didn't have to explain it. And there's all these interviews of people asking her and she won't say, but it's just like, it's fucking hell to be in one of those, like, to be on in any of thing in the entertainment industry, but particularly, I think, in one of those groups. There was that great article that uh, Joe Jonas put out. Mm. That essay he put out years ago about what it was like growing up as, like, a Disney kid. The thing with the purity rings, and, like, it wasn't really his decision. It was, like, one of his brothers started wearing it, and the management really liked it, and he didn't really understand, so he just did it too. And, like, his relationships were all, like, super weird, and just the way it affected his life was so horrible we can't say anything about one direction definitively (laughs) but but there was a boy band that was famous in england in the 90s or early 2000s but um that was early under the same i forget what they're called under the same management as one direction where one of the men was gay and he was forced to hide it for like 10 years because it wasn't as marketable to the young girls who are their target audience. I think all the Spice Girls are straight, right? I don't I'm know. I'm sure at least one's bisexual. Maybe quietly, so. <laughs> Posh has got the... Probably the best catch in the world, boy-wise. <laughs> if that's not a testament to the Spice Mania zeitgeist, David yeah. Beckham is still so yeah. good-looking. Yeah, how old is he now? Like 45? God, and he still looks so good. <laughs> he does. I am always blown away. Speaking of posh, can we talk about the scene, the army scene? Where they were all dressed up in military gear, but she was uh, dressed in these like four inch heels with this camo mod dress, like bodycon yeah. dress. Yeah, yeah, it was so good. I laughed so hard. And I did too. <laughs> I just was like, she's being so true to who she is. Because I was even thinking, like, is Posh going to be wearing that? And she wasn't. And it did not, it, it didn't offend me that she did that. I was like, she's who she is. I don't think they did this intentionally, but I love the juxtaposition of these people going through an obstacle course and Posh having to walk in these heels and that tiny dress. That is juxtaposing, like, you know, the military, which is very masculine and athletic ability with how hard it is to look like that and how she's at the end of that sequence she is trailing behind the rest of them because she can't keep up because she's wearing these heels and walking in grass and anybody who has worn stiletto heels walking through grass before knows that it's damn near impossible let me tell you something tell me today i wore something (laughs) Other than tennis shoes for the first time in a months, wow. and my feet are ruined. <laughs> so it's it's just so punishing to look that good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It takes hours, and it hurts your feet, which and it can fuck your back up. And she can only walk in a certain way because of the dress, and and it we don't take. I don't think we think enough about the how physically demanding it is, and how much determination and discipline you have to have to look that good. And we haven't even brought up how much shapewear she had to be wearing. Right. Like, shapewear is something that a lot of men don't know exists, but uh, is... I don't even think I know what you're talking about when you say shapewear. It's it's body con 
it, it's nylon things that keep your fat rolls from showing. It smooths smooths your body, smooths and sucks in all of your your lumps and bumps. And yeah, like there's definitely nothing even marketed towards men. No, like no, this is and this is standard for a lot of women because yeah, yeah well, any woman wearing anything tight to her skin basically wear wears spanx. yeah i don't wear spanx ever i used to in high school i almost i wore them almost every day um so and now i wear body con dresses and don't give a fuck because yeah, i've care. embraced my body and i love it so yes, <laughs> yes thank you yes bitch yes bitch <laughs> no I, I actually didn't wear spanx one time and my mom pointed it out and i was like yeah, that's my belly, and I like it. And then she was like, "Well," and I was like, yeah. "No, like, what's with the older generation?" It, like it, it's because it's their tradition. They they're used to people having to look a certain way, and we, as a generation, not only push back against that, we refuse to align ourselves with it. Right. I'm not gonna because I bought Spanx once, and it was when I was, you know, in a better financial position than I had been ever in my life. Oh, Robin, we also have to add how fucking expensive Spanx are. Expensive, yeah. It was like a $40 thing I bought and put it on. And I was like, this is the most uncomfortable fucking thing I've ever put on. And I threw it away. And I have never put on Spanx after that. (laughs) Yeah. It's, It's like a modern corset. Yeah, it's a modern corset. But it's just like really tight shit. And this was like like a body thing where like I stepped into it and pulled it up. And I was like, this is this stupidest thing anyone's ever invented and i threw it away (laughs) i don't know i feel like as somebody who is on this journey of loving your body no matter where it's at and not bothering with something like spanx and like once in a while if i have like a very formal event to attend sure i'll put on some spanx but like i think for like a halloween costume i might sure yeah but not never but i mean this not for an everyday thing at all ever i mean and i mean like you know i dressed up for pride last night wouldn't Mm -hmm. have done it would not have worn spanx to that yeah and i know people didn't wear any shapewear for new year's didn't wear shapewear i don't i don't wear shapewear when i go out it's just not a thing that it's not comfortable it's not price effective or it's not cost effective and it encourages me to be ashamed of the bumps that are there and the lumps yeah, that are there. When and everyone has them. Everybody has them and who cares? <laughs> and like even people who are super skinny still have a little like, you know, pooch. Yeah. It's just part of your body. That's what your body looks like. And I- I'm bringing it back to what Robin was saying that nothing like this is marketed to men. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, you've got, yeah. I've seen male girdles for men who are growing a beer belly, but like, even that is so nowhere near the popularity. I feel like if any of the circles that I know, like if somebody were found to be wearing a male girdle, people would like make fun of that person, which is unfortunate, but like, you know, that's it just goes to show the extent to which like any sort of attempt to confine males bodies or to make males adhere to any sort of standard is met with so much pushback because we as a gender are so used to having things our way are so used to like having complete freedom that sort of systemically 
will try and push back against anything that attempts to make us have to adhere to the same beauty standards as women. Even women are unaware of just like how extreme our beauty standards are. Oh yeah. God, I was I was a platinum member at Ulta for a year. Yeah, and do you know how much money you have to spend at Ulta to be a platinum member? I don't know. Sometimes when I'll go out, I'll put on just a little bit of makeup for for funsies or whatever. Right, you told me about that. But I remember, I remember, like I put on a bunch of glitter and stuff. Oh, I love that. Go out for a New Year's Eve party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As standing, as I was standing in line to get into the the venue that we were going to, there was this one girl who was like standing behind us, and she kept making comments to me about my makeup, like she couldn't understand why I would be wearing makeup. And then when she thought my back was turned, she turned to my friend and asked my friend, so like, what even is he? Like, is he, is he gay? What? Is he straight? If like, what? Yeah, like, like it needed to be her business to find out like what my orientation was based on the fact that I was wearing makeup and trying to make myself look good. That makes good. me so mad. As a woman, there are many things I could do to make myself look better. And I'm like, and I'm like, men don't have that many options. You're kind of, you have what you have. And that makes me so mad that she did that to you. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to talk about was the idea of the supernatural. The very first scene that we see this supernatural sense coming in is also a scene where we're seeing two straight white men talking about how they can manipulate the situation for their own benefit. We're in like a reporter's room and the reporter is talking about what will make the most news, what will sell the most newspapers. And as he's talking about that, an actual storm happens in the office building. That was so bonkers. I loved it so much. Yeah, it kind of came out of nowhere. It took me by surprise. But that sort of, for me, is what made this into like an enjoyable movie was this idea that and, it, you know, it's something that it's similar to what anime does a lot, too, where anime will have cutaways that are nonsensical. Um, yeah, nonsensical or, or don't follow within the the world of what has been established as like physical laws or what have, have you. Or it's also similar to a musical, for instance, where within the, the world of what's happening, there is something that's even more elevated, something that just takes precedence over the normal day-to-day uh, laws of the, the world that everybody breaks into song. Yeah. But so this indicated the fact that this supernatural element comes into play at the same time as we're seeing these men trying to manipulate the Spice Girls shows that, you know, fate is on their side. Fate is on the side of the Spice Girls that are not, sorry, not the Spice Girls, of, of the of the men that are trying to create this atmosphere in which the women fail, that fate itself is pushing to get the Spice Girls to fail. And it just speaks to a much larger context in which men, and white men especially, as sort of the predominant cultural, like, normal, in terms of, you know, the way that, like, this movie is made, the the context in which this movie is made, like, that, that like, it's fate that, that what men say should dictate everything. And the Spice Girls obviously are fighting against that. This, this whole movie being about girl power is about pushing back against the fates, pushing back against, you know, the system of oppression. That's It's kind of about pushing back against the patriarchy itself. And that the supernatural elements of this world 
aren't enough to stop them from being true to themselves as individuals and themselves as a group. Um, and then, of course, the aliens as being like another supernatural element, but it kept them awake. You know, it contributed to their exhaustion. It's just another sign of fate, uh, of something larger than... It's, it's, it's uh, an implicit symbol for this, the patriarchal system, I guess. It's not fate entirely, but it is the systems that are, are trying to keep them awake, that are trying to, to do this to them. Like the aliens were- Expected a kiss. Yeah, casual sexual assault is a joke. Yikes. Yeah, they yeah. like reached out to grab, I think it was Sporty's boob. No, it was Scary's boob. And was like, and she was like, excuse you, you. Like, I'm getting, I'm getting drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I also see another instance of the supernatural playing into this movie. And it was kind of more a casual reference than any of the other things that we've been talking about. But at the very beginning, when they, we first see mm-hmm. them on the spice bus, um, I think it's which one of them, somebody started going on about astrology and about everybody's signs yeah, and started defining, beginning. defining the other girls based on their it's signs. It's interesting for me to consider this idea that we might have had in the past, and by we, I mean, you know, humanity, in all of our mythology, this idea of the hero's journey being influenced by supernatural elements always shows up. And the idea of supernatural elements sort of representing fate is such an important part of that. But it's really interesting for me to consider now that we have sort of this 21st century social justice lens where we can look at things and realize that and then also as somebody with with perhaps less spiritual spirituality than than a lot of other yeah. people there to think of it as not necessarily so much that it is a result of fates or that it is a result of some supernatural force but that the things that have been thought of as the fates in the past could in fact just be the systems that we are now starting to understand and recognize that fates are the systems which in the spice girls here are able to push back against and where in the past we've thought oh well this is the fates there's no fighting against it you know kind of like the whole oedipus rex thing it's in today's world we can look at it and think instead of thinking it's all inevitable we can fight we can push back and that ultimately is what spice world is about it's about girl power it's about pushing back against the system of white oppressive male you know patriarchy and and not compromising your identity either as individuals or as a group so as individuals, you're allowed to be whoever you want to, but as a group, as women, stand strong, stand together against the it's system. It's like this is a, the sequel to Oedipus Rex, where no, I will <laughs> win against fate. <laughs> I will not marry my mother and kill my father. Yeah, very <laughs> aspirational. <laughs> oh, your hubris, your deep, unapologetic hubris. If you knew you were destined to kill your dad, why would you kill a random guy in the street? Don't kill nobody. <laughs> right. Right. You big dumb dumb. <laughs> Dummy. And and what you were saying earlier about the climax being where they help out their friend. They have been pushed to their trying point 
to a point of exhaustion by all of the other things that their manager, the executives, that the supernatural elements are all trying to control them into getting them to do, mm-hmm. um, which in very certain ways are leading them apart or leading them astray, et cetera, et cetera. But the thing that brings them together again, the thing that um, makes them decide not to compromise their group integrity or their individual integrity for the sake of the men is 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 their friend who is giving birth to a baby who right. they are able to come together and help and it is their decision in the face of all of these things in the face of the fate the supernatural fate which have led them to exhaustion in the face of their manager who is trying to make them do things in the face of it all they decide to stay up and take care of their friend and well, I don't necessarily. I think we discussed this on the last episode, on our last episode. We don't. I don't necessarily buy into the idea that there is some sort of divine feminine energy, which I think that right. is something that you guys kind of both believe in. But, but regardless, there is still a cultural and social uh, idea that I have to acknowledge that that you know women are the caretakers and the nurturers, and that's the thing that they are shown to be doing in this scene all of them as a unit and individually with their personalities are making the choice to uh, look after a fellow woman in a time of need. And that is where they become cohesive as a unit again. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of caring about the men, what they're caring about is each other is about the women. Now that's girl power. Now that's girl power. Now that. That was beautiful. Robin. Robin. Yes. Now that was girl power. (laughs) (laughs) It's raining men. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, It's it's raining raining men. And it's bad. Okay, I'm just going to blow through the whole thing. Why? Watch me. Thank you guys for listening. This episode, and probably every episode for a while, features the song Enthusiast by Tours. Did you like what you hear? Then you should comment. Hey, wait, that's you should my subscribe. Part. Get on your computer, get on your smartphone, or your tablet, or your sex robot, and you like, comment, subscribe, and share our podcast on social media, on various platforms that you listen on. Follow us at Grow the Pot Up on, I think, every platform ever. It's at Grow the Pot Up. Uh, we got Facebook page. We got... Twitter stuff. Instagram. Instagram. Mostly rate us on iTunes. That would be so rad. We sincerely want to hear your feedback. Well, Kylie does because she wrote that. I don't unless it's nice. You've been <laughs> listening to Grow Up. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> You've been listening to Grow Up, a Saturday morning podcast Robin, for take it from spicy her. millennials with, with Robin. Tasty Spice, Kylie, Spooky Spice, and me, Gay Pride Queer, what did I say before? Daddy Daddy Spice. (laughs) This has been me, Catherine, the only member of this podcast. Goodbye. Robin, (laughs) you are out of control. (laughs) I have to go to work tomorrow and I don't (laughs) want to.